Welcome to Ballistic Radio. Join us as we discuss hard-won self-defense lessons, as well as the information you need to survive a violent encounter. Listen as armed professionals, industry experts, national champions, and gunfight survivors help answer all your firearms and self-defense questions while exploring your rights and responsibilities as an armed citizen. Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. And now, here is your host, John Johnston. Welcome to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of AR rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. I'm your host, John Johnston. Remember, you can always listen to past shows at BallisticRadio.com. Get the latest behind-the-scenes info, arguments, photos, videos, uh, well-thought-out exposés on the nature of self-defense. Other stuff at Facebook.com slash Ballistic Radio. Coasting with me, Jack Jack! Yay! <sighs> We're time traveling again, Jack. Doodly-doo, doodly-doo, doodly-doo. That was a Wayne's World reference for those that don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it made me happy. We're kind of like the Wayne's World of guns, aren't we? Dibs on Wayne. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that works. Garth had the right idea. He had simplified his life and removed all distraction. He was actually the epitome of stoicism, which I think. No. Are you drinking? Is that is the coffee Irish today? No, I wish. Hey, guess what? What's that, John? This segment brought to you by Tactical Night Vision Company. The night is dark and full of terrors, or at least it used to be. But now we have the technology to fight the night. And TNVC is your one-stop shop for all your dark fighting needs. From the TNV PVS-14 night vision goggle to the IR Patrol thermal monocular and everything in between, TNVC can outfit your defense against the dark arts. Doesn't matter if it's your lost keys, the enemy, or that little kid from down the street that likes to wander off. I still don't know what his deal is. TNVC has what you need to find things in the dark. TNVC now with financing. Own or finance the night. And since we're talking about TNVC, we're going to have a leading expert on someone. Wait, no. I'm not going to make this joke on air. I was okay. going to make a joke about trying to use the bathroom in the dark with night vision on in the middle of a Florida jungle and how. Ah, yeah, that is difficult. Well, it was pretty easy for you and I. But Melody, <laughs> on the other hand, who is joining us right now, Melody Lauer. Hey, good morning. Hi. Good morning. Hi, John. Hi, Jack. Hi, Joe. Since no one gives Joe love. Hi, Joe. Well, I mean, you don't know what Joe does in his off time. So, I, I mean, Joe has off time. Wow, are you assuming his extracurricular activities? Oh my God, how terrible! Anyway, um, it's okay. Wow, I'm making all sorts of really just jokes that are derailing poorly um, right now. So, yeah, I'll just stop. For those that don't know, uh, Melody, who are you? What do you do? And we'll hop right into the show. I'm Melody Lauer, and I've been on the show a few times, but I work with you and the Ballistic Radio team on, uh, you know, some of the administrative stuff there. I am the Director of Training for Citizens Defense Research. I own my own company, which shall not be named, and then (laughs) I do some writing for Monkey Gunner and uh, myself and things and stuff and things. Well, stuff and things is always fun. Um, 
Wow, you have really taken the, hey, can you give Citizens Defense Research more love <laughs> advice to heart? There, there is probably a happy middle ground where, like, you can talk about the one and, and anyway, whatever. Um, I, I had to get that in there, you know. I, I appreciate that. So for, for people that have not seen um, pictures of you or are familiar um, you're like what, five foot two and a hundred, hundred and five pounds, something like that. I'm somewhere around there. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually feeling pretty big and beefy right now. I'm, I'm, I'm over a hundred pounds for the first time in about ten years. So, and yeah, I'm about uh, between five foot two and five foot three. So, I'm a pretty, I'm pretty petite person. So, is that like between five foot two and five foot three? Is that like a floating number depending on the day or? What? Well, and shoes, you know, I mean. Shoes don't count. So you've never been on a roller coaster? <laughs> I have. Actually, I have. They they let, I mean, if there, there's kind of like this middle ground of if you're over 20, they're like, eh, you can probably hang on, so. Well, you got to understand, like, the, the Iowa State Fair, too. It's not like they're really known for their safety protocols. <laughs> yeah, those, those are the guys I've, I've let check my parachute. They'll be good to go. Except I, I hate roller coasters, so it's not like I'm, you know, constantly trying to go on. So. Oh, I can make a, a joke about Jack not having ever been on a roller coaster either. I, but... I've been on roller coasters. I just don't like them. See, did, I'm did, with you, Jack. I'm did they you. cut your legs off to get you on? I was uh, significantly shorter. At uh, 16, I was only 6'3 to 6'4. Oh. Um, and then I had a growth spurt oh, after that. <laughs> okay. So anyway, wow, we have wasted so much time talking about nothing. It's it's all Seinfeld up in here. Um, I, I guess my first question to you is one of the things that I see a lot of people say online, um, especially, well, no, not even especially women, but just smaller people, is that it's too difficult to conceal a firearm on a day-to-day basis. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I can understand the frustration. Uh, I don't think I can get away with carrying what, uh, like someone like Jack's size. And, you know, I mean, I people talk about how big Jack is, but Jack's really big. You know, I mean, he's, what, six foot eight and like 300 plus pounds or something like that. So, you know, a really big guy. And, uh, I only have so much real estate to dedicate to things like guns, knives, things like that. So I have to be very choosy about what I do carry. But as far as the difficulty with which someone can carry a gun, I think that has way more to do with what you choose as far as the accessories, the holsters, belt, and how you set it up, uh, even your pants, like your rise of your pants, than it does. Um, whether you can or can't. So it, the the old saying, where there's a will, there's a way, is really uh, applicable there. You yeah. may not be able to just grab the first thing off the shelf and make it work for you, but if you keep trying, you probably will find something that works. Do you, do you think that people just get frustrated and give up, and that's why that exploration never occurs? I think it's a combination of getting frustrated and giving up and also uh, bad information as far as not knowing what your resources are. So when I first got into this, our our only resource was basically the local gun shops. And local gun shops, I'll, I'll just say, they cannot carry the kind of inventory 
that would make for good holsters. I mean, one-size-fits-all holsters are really popular because they can sell more of them. Not everyone is going to need a, you know, Kydex holster for a USP, you know. So they can't have every make and model available on their shelf, so they do one-size-fits-all. And if it fits more than one size, it's probably not good for what it's supposed to be doing, you right. know? Right. Um, so what, what do you carry most days out of curiosity? Just to give some people some perspective. I mean, when you're, when you're talking uh, the about the whole thing or just the gun, <laughs> we'll talk about just the gun for right now because yeah. people, uh, people seem to like those, I guess. Okay. Um, well, typically day to day, I carry a Glock 19 and AWB, uh, in a, uh, usually it's in my, uh, keeper's concealment keeper light that I carry um, with a Volan Gearworks belt. Nice, nice. Completely tangential to that, guess what I uh, found out? What? Not only is Spencer Keepers going to be at the class you and I are going to be at this weekend, so is Chuck, really? ha so is Chuck Haggard. Oh, yay! My I, favorite peoples. Uh, since we're talking about time traveling and all that, we're, we're going to be at... Uh, um, Tom Givens, Craig Douglas's, and William April's establishing a dominance paradigm this weekend in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So it's I'm very excited. I'm I'm really excited about this one. Um, considering I just completed ECQC back in July. Yeah. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, I haven't been able to do a lot of the work that you know. The great thing about ECQC is it's an audit of what you what your skills are and kind of pinpoints. Oh, I need to work here, and I haven't really been able to do that. So right. I'm kind of like, meh. But it'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So no, it's a. Uh, they only do it once a year too. So uh, if you guys haven't already signed up for this year, look for it next year. And we're looking forward to being able to talk about it. Um, we got about a minute left in this segment. What do you think? Um, what do you think the biggest mistake people make is when they're first starting out and first, like, wanting to conceal a gun? Uh, they assume that any holster will do, and and that if it's just if it's on the gun store and it just happens to fit their gun, then if it doesn't work, well, then it's just not for them. Um, I think that's probably one of the first mistakes. Like. When you say it's not, it's just not for them. Carrying the gun's not, or that gun's not, or or or, or conceal, or or a combination thereof, or just concealing isn't for them, or they just can't conceal, or this gun isn't for them because oh, it just it, it just doesn't work. And I kind of felt the same way about the Glock 19. Right. I was back and forth on that a lot. Well, let's let's talk about that when we get back. Right now, we're talking with Melody Lauer. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Levant's lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Sig Sauer. Now, with more options. We're not all the same, and our carry gun shouldn't have to be either. Sig Sauer gives you choices. And with more models than the Bible's got Psalms, it's never been easier to find a Sig Sauer that fits your needs. From the extremely versatile striker-fired P320 with modular grip frame, to the Legion Series P226, the single-stack P225A1, or the entry-level SP-2022. Six-hour makes a model that's right for you. Just don't ask for a Callahan full-bore auto-lock. They don't make that yet. Six-hour, when it counts. So we're talking with Melody Lauer about concealed carry issues for um, 
normal-sized people? Is that a good way to put it, Jack? Yeah, I think this is a topic that I can't add anything to. Me neither. Like, at all. No. No. Well, I mean, I'm, I... I'm, I'm, I'm fun-sized or warrior-sized, depending on who you talk to. I'm just trying to remember the first time I heard uh, Pat Rogers call somebody warrior-sized and uh, who it was. And I, I can't remember who it was, but I remember thinking, wow, that's really, really, really a polite way to say you're tiny. So, I mean, you know. I, I curl Melody. You curl me, Jack. I'm a two-handed. Yeah, I still remember the first time you ever hugged me and picked me up, and I'm like... <laughs> Well, this is uncomfortable. I feel bad for all the people I've done this to. <laughs> um, so, I like it, Jack. You can hug me and pick me up. Okay. Um, so you were talking before the break about how you went back and forth between the gun that you're carrying right now and, and not carrying it just based off of the size and, and the holster. Can you get a little more in-depth on what you mean by that? Yeah, I started out uh, with single stack 1911. That was that was kind of my gun when I when I started out. And really going through training and things like that, I I decided it was a smart move to go to a nine millimeter, and that I wanted more capacity. So I really liked the Glock 19. Um, I was carrying a Glock 19 behind my hip, which I could conceal pretty well behind my hip with an OWB holster and like a vest or something like that over top. The problem was is that I'm a mom and constantly having to bend over and tie shoes or pick something up or even pick my kids up, things like that, my cover garment would ride up over the grip of my gun and would constantly be exposed. And I was, you know, constantly pulling my shirt down, not because I was fidgeting with my gun, but just because my movement was was making concealment hard. Um, so, and I, I'd heard about AIWB. I had tried it with one holster and just thought, I look pregnant and this just, this will never work for me. And I kind of gave up and I kept seeing all these people talk about all the, the wonders of AIWB. And I'm like, well, that just will never be me because I tried it and it doesn't work. Right. And I completely wrote it off as this thing just will not work for, work for me. And uh, finally, um, I was going to Greg Ellifritz's Extreme Close Quarters class and uh, I was like, I'm going to try and give this one more shot with a single stat gun. And uh, David Bowie, who who works there, he let me use his shield in a um, – I can't remember even what holster it was, but I got to really try AIWB versus behind the hip. And I carried both throughout the entire class, and I split every drill that we did between AIWB and behind the hip. And I really learned that AIWB – had significant advantages in close quarters grappling and, and things like that, tension, all those things. And I came away absolutely determined to carry AIWB. And I thought the only way to do that was with a single stack gun then. And after, you know, carrying a shield for almost a year, I was like, you know what, I'm willing to give this another try for the Glock. And I talked to Spencer Keepers, who was just like, hey, you should try this. Like, if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you, but just give it a try. And I started kind of uh, fiddling around with the original keeper, and um, and figured, um, I learned a lot more about what helps conceal as far as like wedges and tucks and things along those lines. And that information led me to better decisions in my holster selection and also in my belts and in the rise of my pants. And finally, I found that sweet spot that was like, 
oh, my gosh, this works. And it was a combination of mid-rise pants, kind of a flexible, stiff belt, and a keeper with a wedge on the bottom of it, but not so much of a wedge that it sticks the bottom of the gun out, makes me look like I have a penis, right. <laughs> which is interesting. And I have been able to carry a Glock 19 now, AIWB, for almost another year. I, I One, thank you for talking about the uh, attendant problems with being a female carrying AIWB. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, two, I remember when you were going back and forth, because um, I remember talking to you a lot about that, and um, you, like, borrowed a holster from me and tried a 17 at a match. Uh, if I remember correctly, um, but so yeah, it's um, it's interesting. For those that don't know, what is AIWB? Appendix inside the waistband is what it stands for, and it's kind of a controversial. People are saying, "Oh, it's a new hot thing." It's not new. It's been around uh, for as long as people have carried guns. Um, there was the theory that it was a more dangerous place to carry than others, but. Really, we've proven, um, you guys have done videos about it, and other people like Todd Green and, and things have, have extensively tested the, the position as far as safety. And as long as you are holstering mindfully and correctly and drawing the same way, um, it's just as safe as any other. I don't say any other because there are some unsafe ways to carry guns, but it's one of the safer ways to carry a gun. And as far as, you know, um, retention and basically carrying the gun forward of the hip bones, you know, kind of center line. I mean, it on the right side, usually a little bit more centered underneath the appendix. But if you're a lefty, it's on the left side. And sorry, you don't have an appendix there. I apologize. Right. So, um, wow, I feel dumb. It's so completely tangential to everything. Uh, and for those that have never seen, like, the live video of the show, I kind of do computer stuff while I'm doing the show. And I completely just saw a headline from 2012 and got re-upset about it, not remembering it was from 2012. Shut up, Jack. He's just looking at me like, wow. I'm sorry. I'm, I believe in a transparent radio show where people understand what the administration is doing at all times. <laughs> Web of lies. What? I learned that by watching every single president ever. I mean, you right? Oh, sorry. Anyway, I've been in studio. I know. Shut up! Please. Don't don't pull back the curtain. Um, so, for do you think people should just hop right into trying to carry that way, or is it, is there a little bit more uh, prep work that you want to do before you carry appendix? That is an interesting question. Um, I usually Isn't it? give. It is. I, I, I give a little speech when I teach because um, I, I welcome AIWB in my class, uh, in my classes. And I, and I tell people this, um, you know, here's the thing. If you screw it up royally, can you kill yourself? Yes. Um, so, but the same is true of any other position that you carry again. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I tell people is if you are comfortable with your gun handling and want to try it, you are welcome with the understanding that if you screwed up, you will kill yourself. Right. Um, however, you know, if you're not comfortable and you're kind of still getting the draw stroke down and you're still not sure about, 
you know, your trigger finger staying off the trigger and things like that, and and you want to practice more draw from, you know, strong side or something like that, I am completely comfortable with that too. I want people to be comfortable and be able to work their way to their goals rather than try and jump into something they're not quite comfortable with and potentially, um, you know, screw things up. I think you have to try to kind of make that more dangerous. But the thing is, is there are instances where people have really hurt themselves Caring either way, really. Yeah. I mean, guns in and of themselves are, and you know, shooting is an inherently dangerous thing. Um, and the possibility of shooting yourself is always present. But so being mindful is important. But if someone comes to me and says, hey, I know I want to carry AIWB and that's how I want to learn, I'll be like, okay, I'll teach you that way. The one thing I will say is that particularly for for parents, um, who carry their kids and maybe carry them on their back or something like that, you may have to start carrying AIWB. Right. Uh, and you're just going to have to jump in and and make it work. Well, and we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get uh, back from break. We have to go to break right now. We're talking with Melody Lauer. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Events, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Events, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Wilson Combat. Wilson Combat, makers of the finest custom 1911s and scatterguns since 1977. Legacy of quality, innovation, and service. Learn more about their firearms and accessories at www.wilsoncombat.com. So we're talking with Melody Lauer. And before the break, Melody, um, we were discussing AIWB and whether or not uh, AIWB carry, so carrying forward of the hips um, towards the center line, and whether or not people should just start carrying that way or not. And, and you brought up something that I think you, you brought up a couple of things, and I'd, I'd like to speak to, to both of them. Um, the first thing you said is if you're not comfortable carrying AIWB, you should carry strong side. I would make a counter statement that if you are too comfortable carrying AIWB, you really need to um, re-examine the potential outcomes of the situation because I really think complacency is is where most accidents stem from. And I'm not saying that, like, you're uncomfortable with it to the point where you don't do it, but, like, it should make you naturally a little hesitant, don't you think? Oh, yeah. And I would say that's true of anywhere you carry a gun. I don't care if you right. carry a gun on your hip or in an off-body manner if you are too comfortable with it to the point where you are, you know, slamming it in the holster and not being mindful, I think that's one of the biggest problems that we see either in competition or, you know, on the range, wherever, is you get people who get a level of comfort and confidence and they start being very careless and they're not present in the moment of what they are doing, um, you know, slamming guns, you know, they get angry because they threw a shot, and all of a sudden they're, they're jamming their gun in their holster and, you know, storming off. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're handling a loaded firearm, you know, close to your body, and, uh, you know, take a moment, be in that moment, holster mindfully, and then you can have your little rant. We're fine with it. And that, and that goes for wherever you carry your gun. Well, I think, you know, so we've taught, we taught a bunch of classes together now at this point, 
And I'm trying to think of a single class that we've taught where I've not seen at least one person doing that until we crawl all over them to stop. Oh, yeah, it's it's common. Like I said, it's common everywhere. And um, I think it's kind of what's interesting to me, you won't see newbies doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be like, you know, they'll be cautious and they'll be careful. Uh, and you won't see people who are really, really experienced um, doing it so much. Sometimes you will. Yeah. It's like the middle. Um, you know, like I said, they've gotten just enough experience where they're feeling confident with it. But maybe they're getting a little too overly confident, and uh, they kind of have to have that reminder that you know what this is a this is a really a deadly tool that I am handling, and I should handle it with well, that kind of respect. It's kind of like that brown belt syndrome where you just <laughs> you know enough to be dangerous. Um, yeah. So, it, as far as. Um, what are some other issues for, you know, warrior-sized people uh, as far as self-defense or carrying a gun or um, really anything at all, do you think? The that- failure to carry other tools that aren't guns. Um, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a small person. I have only so much real estate. And it's really tempting for me a lot of times to, because of that, because I have to get so much crap on in the morning, to just be like, well, you know what? I'm I'm only going to carry my gun today. I'm not going to carry my knife, and I'm not going to carry my pepper spray, and I'm not going to carry my spare magazine and stuff like that. Um, Because it is a hassle to get it all on, to get it all, you know, in a place where it's all concealed. Um, But the one thing that I have learned through force-on-force training over and over and over and over again is that if I have a gun, I need to have a knife on me. And the reason for that is I'm small. I'm a really small person. And if I am in a retention struggle for my gun with someone like Jack, I'm not going to get that gun back from him. It's it's just not going to happen. So I need to have something else that allows me. Now, here's on the other side, what is the likelihood of him taking a clinch pick away from me without getting cut. I don't think it's um, going to matter much with someone Jack's size. I mean, just being <laughs> honest. And that's true. And, and I mean, that is certainly something to consider. But if it's just, if we're just talking about a retention struggle over my Glock, um, am I going to be m- more successful just trying to take my gun back from him? Or am I going to have better success using an alternate tool to basically cut him off of my gun? Well, do you think um, do you think that there's? I mean, we're talking about like tools right now, and I'm reminded of a conversation you and I had about uh, someone in a group that you moderate was saying some things that we don't really need to get um, too in depth on. But uh, you you pointed out in the conversation we were having that they were they were focused on trying to get a gun to solve the problem that they were experiencing, and you and I kind of both came to the the same conclusion that. That wasn't the issue. Can you can you talk a little bit about um, task fixation and tool fixation? And what? yeah, and and this happens. And, and Craig Douglas talks about it. If you go to ECQC, the the desire to assume that the gun is going to solve the problem. If I could just get my gun out, if I can just get my gun out, then poof, magically everything will will solve itself. And the problem that people don't understand is that. Getting to the gun might be the biggest fight of your life. 
Right. And the other thing is that that might not be time well spent. So if I'm on the ground and instead of coming up with solutions and fighting solutions to handle the problem that I have right in front of me, which is a, a violent attack, and um, trying to think of responses or, you know, have robust responses that I've trained that can defeat that without a gun, uh, me sitting there and spending a lot of time trying to get to a gun while absorbing violence is, is not a wise decision. But the problem is knowing that that decision needs to be made. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, because so many people get into these training events and stuff, and like I said, they think, oh, I, or they get into a violent encounter, and they think, I just have to get my gun out. And they get fixated on that task, which is getting the gun out, and absorb violence that they could have either deflected or just responded to without a gun in different ways that might have actually been better, uh, whether that had been a different tool that was more accessible, like a knife, or even um, skills prior to that, such as de-escalation verbal skills or even pepper spray, um, things along those lines, or even just simple hand-to-hand skills. You know, if I can – now, that being said, as you pointed out, if I'm up against Jack, uh, my hand-to-hand skills, Don't I mean – they're not going to matter so much. You see, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be gonna, some kind of an equalizer. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to disagree with you there, um, because when I first started getting with jits, I got put up against a smaller female who was 115 pounds, but had been rolling for 10 years, and mm-hmm. that wasn't that wasn't fun or easy. That was just pain on top of pain. Like she gave me no remorse. She just beat me without <laughs> mercy for about three months. And it well, was and that's, and that's truly humbling. But... Yeah, and the difference is, is that high level of skill. Um, you know, and I wish I could say that I have like a, a, an extremely high level of jujitsu skill. That would be amazing. I don't. Um, it, it's kind of one of those things that was pointed out to me at ECQC that hey, I need jits in my life. Yeah. Um, and I just haven't gotten to a point where I can do that on a regular basis because we just don't have any around where I live. Um, but you're right. You know, if I have a high level of skill, might that be able to mitigate the size difference? Yes. But if you don't have that, then you need something else. You know. Well, and a lot of a lot of people don't really recognize that um, if you're if you're imagining three different arcs um, that sort of you know represent your skill level. Um, your natural attributes and the tools that you have available to you. Uh, and depending on where you're at on one, you might need um, the other two to be higher to make up for whatever deficiencies there are in the situation that you find yourself in or vice versa. Um, and, you know, and as, as you pointed out, a high enough level of skill can make up for certain things, but not for everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's and I think another thing that a lot of people who are not my size don't understand, even people who are my size who've never tried it, even even getting in a fight, like I'm talking like a real physical fight with someone even marginally bigger than you are, um, an average, you know, five foot eight, you know, 160 pound guy, is so exhausting when you are small and relatively weak 
you know, you can be giving it 100% and it's like they're playing with you. And I, you know, I, I did Krav Maga for over a year um, because it was the only thing that was available in the in the area. And I've done other, um, you know, force on force. I've done a couple different, you know, I did Greg Alfred's Extreme Close Quarters. I did ECQC well, with, with hold, Craig. Hold that thought because we have to go to break. Um, so hold that thought. We'll be right back. We're talking with Melody Lauer right now. You're listening to Ballistic Radio. Welcome back to Ballistic Radio, brought to you by Daniel Defense, the country's leading manufacturer of air rifles and accessories. Daniel Defense, lighter, stronger, better. This segment brought to you by Surefire. Know your target and what is beyond it. But how can you really know your target? By shining a really bright light at it. And that's where Surefire comes in. From the USB rechargeable 300 lumen sidekick to the 500 lumen X300 Ultra or M600 Scout Light, Surefire can make sure you never have to yell, Aziz, light! Ever again. Doesn't matter if you are shining light at a potential threat or just helping your friends see through their eyelids. When you need all the lumens for longer, you need Surefire. And now as a special offer to Ballistic Radio listeners, you can get 30% off the Surefire.com web store by entering the discount code ALLTHELUMENS. That is A-L-L-T-H-E-L-U-M-E-N-S for 30% off everything except suppressors and batteries at Surefire.com. So we're talking with Melody Lauer. And, Melody, I'm sorry I I interrupted you um, to pay for the show. My apologies. Uh, You were saying? Uh, I was just saying that when you are the size that I am, when you're up against uh, in a physical, you know, altercation with someone who is even average size, like I was giving the example of 5'8 and 160 pounds, uh, it is if you do not have skill, that can mitigate that size difference, and um, and you are relatively weak, which, I mean, let's face it, I am, it is extremely frustrating, and it's very hard to overcome that with just willpower. Right. You know, we, we, we hear all the time, and I think this is kind of a little bit of a one of those things that people say a lot that, oh, it's the sheer will to survive that will make you prevail. No. I got to disagree. <laughs> You know, I have willed myself to be much more stronger than the person sitting on my head, and it just didn't work, you know. Um, And the one thing that I don't want to say I've gotten a little dependent on, but I have found that I have a higher level of successes in is accessing a centerline six-blade knife and going to work with that if I'm in that kind of a clinch situation. Um, I have had higher rates of success than I, than I have had doing, you know, just grappling work or going to the gun in, in that one particular situation, you know, that close quarters uh, where hands are already laid on and this person is bigger than me, which, let's face it, is most people are bigger than me. Right. Well, and, and what people need to realize, because a lot of time gets dedicated to talking about the zero to five foot problem as far as, like, the entangled gunfight, um, to the point where, like, we carried, we carry, all of us carry specialized tools to deal specifically with that problem. Um, and the reason, at least for me, and then I'd love to get your opinion on this, the reason why I go to the trouble of carrying a centerline knife uh, 
is because that situation is such a bad situation to be in that not having at least some sort of option, you know, um, to go to is is really terrifying to me. Uh, and I, I'm not saying that I'm not trying to problem solve my way out of it. I'm not saying that I'm going to, you know, focus on, uh, you know, the knife and that will fix all my problems. But having tried to fix that problem without the knife and having tried to fix that problem with the knife, it makes it a lot better having the knife, you know? Uh, yeah, it, it really does. I mean, especially for someone my size and, and for someone my um, at, at my current ability. I mean, if I were a black belt in jujitsu and could just, you know, magic this person into a little ball, maybe I would feel confident not having the knife. But at my current skill level, I need to have the knife. And the thing is, is um, and I, I think this goes for everyone, not just people my size, but um, guns are relatively easy to learn. And I say that very cautiously because, you know, I mean, I've been I've been shooting guns for over 10 years, and I feel like I'm just scratching the surface of what I need to know to be what I consider a good shooter. Right. But really, the, the principles of getting a gun out of a holster, putting the front sight on something, and pressing the trigger a few times and getting decent hits is not super difficult. And it's something that little old grandmas can learn and people my size can learn. And so the shooting problem, if it's a shooting problem and if it's justified and if it needs to go to guns, um, we have seen over and over and over again that that can be done pretty reliably and with relatively minimal training. And it's done every day by people who defend themselves with firearms. Yeah. Um, and so I think sometimes people get really comfortable in that because, hey, I learned this skill. I feel defended. Um, and I'm good to go. But what they don't consider is if the situation isn't that one, that black and white, or if it doesn't start with you understanding that, that distance problem. So, um, you know, yeah, someone's two feet away from me and then they just grab me. Yeah. Well, you know what? At that point, going to the gun may not be the available option or the best option. And, um, I, you know, having been a victim of violent crime before and understanding how quickly it can go down and how helpless you can get very, very quickly, mm -hmm. it becomes kind of that situation of um, I need to have as many tools available to me within my skill set that I can. Now, I'm not saying people should run out and buy a knife and then suddenly, voila, they are they are defended. You have to know how to use it. Uh, the very first class that I ever went to by myself when I started thinking about carrying a knife was a defensive knife class with Greg Elifritz because I thought exactly the way I thought, thought about the gun, which was just because I have this doesn't mean I know how to use it. I'm going to get training with it. And um, so that was six years ago, five, five, six years ago that I had my first defensive knife class, and it was indispensable as far as um, – the information that I learned and, you know, I, it's one of those things where I wish I could take it every year, but I just don't have time to do that. Right. Um, so we got, uh, I don't know. We got about five minutes left in the show ish, something like that. Um, what would your advice be to people if they are just now getting into this and really, um, really want to, I mean, go down the path of the defensive-minded 
individual or shooter or whatever you want to call it? I would say my first piece of advice would be to be very cautious about where you get your information from and think critically about what you are doing. Um, it, it's more than a fashion accessory. It's more than just, I have a gun on me, therefore I am safe. There are so many things to consider, um, you know, like we were just talking about the, the close quarters kind of a situation, gun retention. If I, if my first indication that a, that a violent crime is about to happen is someone grabs me and throws me to the ground and my poor holster with zero retention spits my gun across the parking lot, well, that's a big problem. And people think that, well, that can't happen. We see it in video um, several times where people lose their guns in, in, uh, in close course situations, not even in hand, you know, just off of their body because they weren't retained very well. And, um, you know, as far as gear and stuff, yes, it's fine to tap those resources as far as, you know, your local gun stores and ask them, but be aware that they're likely not going to have your solutions for you, not for good concealment. They just aren't. Right. And, uh, you know, finding things like ballistic radio, finding things like a good forum or a Facebook group where you can go where there are people who have more experience. And that's the other thing. Before you find someone that you trust, look at their experience. How, how long have they been doing this? How long have they been doing it successfully because there's people who've been you know we know all we know them i've been doing this for 30 years and they've been doing it poorly for 30 years so be cautious about who you uh who you trust kind of a thing well and you know my own personal story there i've been shooting since i was four um i really wish i had like the first 23 years i was a shooter back to like you know learn the right way to do it so i hadn't wasted all that time I think we all feel like that a little bit. Like, oh, man, if only I'd found this person or this training earlier, that would have saved me so much heartache. Um, Well, that's that's about it. We're we're at the end of the show. Um, Melody, I very much appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, come on the show, especially considering I didn't tell you what we were talking about until – we called you, so yeah, you called me. <laughs> kudos to you. Um, I will. Yeah, thank you. I will talk with you later. I'll see you this weekend. Um, be safe. All right. Thanks. Bye, Jack. Bye, John. Bye, Bye Melody. Jack. Bye. So make sure you check out our website, ballisticradio.com. Like our Facebook page at facebook.com/ballisticradio. And hey, keep leaving those five star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, everyone. As always, be safe. See you next week.